Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. We are in a series called The Pursuit. How many of y'all been keeping up with your daily pursuit plan where you're reading the Bible daily? Come on. It's important. It's, it's how you develop that relationship with God. You cultivate that time with God. You cultivate uh, getting to know him and his presence. Amen. The more you do that, uh, the more comfortable you get going to the Lord instead of... And, right, instead of fighting, talking to him, you get more comfortable doing that. And uh, it's, so, it's so vital. And so we actually, uh, before we even had that idea to do the Daily Pursuit Plan, we had already scheduled this series called The Pursuit. And it's simply us just learning how to chase God, learning how to go after him, learning how to seek him, and learning how that applies to every area of our life. And so last, not last week, because last week was Mother's Day. Come on, Mother's Day was good, amen. But the previous week, we were in week one, and uh, we talked about just how much we needed to learn to hear the voice of God, right? And how words alone, just reading your Bible alone, is not going to get you there. You have to do that because that is a foundation, right? That's the building block. But you cannot stop at just settling for reading the word. I remember what we said. Hopefully you caught it. Hopefully you remember. If you only rely on just reading the word and you stop there, it's like getting married and never making it to the bedroom. You never get to the place where you really know each other, where there's intimacy right? You never get to the place where you truly understand each other. Instead, you settle for writing letters to one another. You read their letter, they read your letter, but there's no conversation. You know, I want to touch him. I want to feel him. I want to hear his voice. Amen? And so we talked about that, and this week, we're going to talk about, oh, it's on my shirt, the blessedness of possessing nothing. Y'all ready? If you're ready, high five your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Come on, tell him, I'm ready. Look at your other neighbor and say, hey, wake up. (laughs) We're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says this. Seeing the crowds, he went up, Jesus, he went up on the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Someone say rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for a hunger that we have for you. We thank you, Lord, that you're not holding back anything from us. Lord, use this time as we hear your word. Use this time to grow us. Speak through me, God. Let it not be my words, but your words. I don't want any part of me involved. I want it to just be you and only you speaking. Teach us, show us, empower us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So today I want to highlight verse 3. This is the entirety of what I'm talking about. Verse 3 is where it's at. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You need to look at your neighbor and say, hold on. Come on, tell him for real. Say, hold on. I'm going to share some things with you this morning that maybe you've heard before. But as I was preparing for this message, it was like I was hearing it for the first time again. The truly blessed are the truly poor. The truly blessed are the truly poor. Remember, in the kingdom of God, everything's upside down, right? Everything's upside down. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. The least in the kingdom is the greatest in the kingdom, right? He came not to be served, but to serve. And so when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the truly blessed ones, the one who inherits everything is the one who is truly poor. What does poor mean? What does this mean? Poor means those who are no longer slaves to the tyranny of toy chasing. I told you, hold on. The ones who are no longer slaves to the tyranny of chasing after things. Those are the ones who are poor in spirit. They're the ones who inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because it is impossible for you to inherit a kingdom not of this world while you're chasing the things of this world. Hold on this morning. These people have broken the chains of oppression. And they did it not by fighting the oppression. They have done it by surrendering to the chain breaker. You see, we don't realize that the American dream is a trap. It is a 
better. The American dream is an enslavement. The American dream is embedded in our minds from a child, and it tells us that because we have so much opportunity here, we should attain it all for our own sake. Let me help you this morning. Truly blessed people are truly poor people who are truly free people. I'm going to mess with you. I'm telling you, I'm going to mess with you. These kinds of people are free from the desires of possessing things. Therefore, they possess all things. When you are free from trying to possess things, you have everything. You see, God wants to bless you. Can someone say, God wants to bless me? Right? God wants you to be successful. Somebody say, God wants me to be successful. But your success should not be about you. Your success is to be a blessing to other people. Listen, if your motivation for success is you getting successful, then you have the wrong motivation. See, I want you successful as all get out. I want your business to thrive. I want your household to thrive. I want everything you touch to be blessed. But... It is not all for you. Remember, the world says get all you can, right? Get all you can, hoard all you can, and flaunt it, show it off, do the music video with all the $100 bills, you know, do all that stuff. Like, that's what the world says is how you're supposed to be. And God says opposite. Get all you can so you can give all you can. When you are truly blessed... You are poor in spirit. The only way you really become blessed is when you become poor in spirit. See, some people think their house makes them blessed. I've been there, done that. It wasn't that much of a blessing. It felt good. You know, it felt really nice. I had all, everything I wanted. But inside, I, I wasn't... My spirit didn't catch up yet. My spirit didn't reflect, man, get that house. Trust me, it's, it's nice to have your own home. Trust me, I'm fighting that demon right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get your own home. Pay your way to build something for your family. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. This is not about not owning stuff. This is about stuff not owning you. Okay? In all you're getting, the Bible says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Understand that the stuff that you have, as vital as it is for the blessing to continue on with your family, it is also an understanding that those things are not meant to entrap you. Those things are meant to be a blessing to other people. And when you learn that... You become poor in spirit. And when you become poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is what you gain.
Instead of trying to build everything on your own for yourself, your own little kingdom, when you learn that it's not just for you, it's not just for you and your family, it's not just to be a blessing for you to show off how blessed you are, but it's to be a blessing to be a blessing to someone else, you inherit much more than what you have. You inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to say that again. If your motivation for success is you getting successful, then you have the wrong motivation. Your motivation for success should be driven by becoming a conduit of blessing. You see, I want to expand as much as possible. I want to grow as much as possible to bless as many people as possible. But when your motivation is only self-driven, you have the wrong motivation. You might even get there, but you'll be alone. I've been to the mountaintop financially. I've been in the valley financially. God was with me every single time, but a lot of people weren't. Because I didn't know how to be a blessing when I was up here as much as I learned it when I was down here. And when you learn how to be a blessing here and here, God will always keep blessing you. And then you stop worrying about stuff. I got to the point where I stopped worrying about money and finances and if I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. I still work for it. I still work hard. Trust me. You still, you still work hard. The Bible says a lazy man will inherit folly, right? You don't want to just sit around doing nothing. You work hard. But remember who you're working for. You're not working for you. You're not working for your own family. You're working so that God can be a blessing through you. Amen? So remember that when you're trying to get that promotion. Remember that when you're trying to get that house. Right? Is it just about you? Is it just about you to prove to other people that you made it? Is it just about you to validate yourself? Or is it truly about being that conduit of blessing? See, a good example of this, I hate to put them on the spot, but I know they don't like it, but I'm going to tell it anyways. A good example of this is uh, Leanne and Stephen. Come on. For those of you who know, Stephen works hard. Leanne works hard. They work hard around here. And they stayed at, at her mom's house for years, saving up for that house. And he was telling me, I remember when he was house hunting and I told him, just make sure that when you get what you want, that you give it back to God and you let him use it to be a blessing. And I remember him coming to me one day. He said, you know, we're really believing for this house. And I remember us praying right, right out there in the lobby after church one day. And he said, but I'm telling you right now, if God blesses me with this house, I want to bless him back. He said, anytime the church needs to use it, we're going to use it. And we've used it for city groups, and he wants to do all kinds of stuff there. Every single time we needed to go to his house for something, he said, doors are open. And God blessed them with the desires of their heart. But they have continually be a blessing to other people through it. You see, when you dedicate what you desire... And say, I'm just going to give it right back to you, God. God will continue to bless you that way. Being poor in spirit doesn't mean you don't own anything. It means the stuff doesn't own you. It means that everything you're going for 
be a trap. It shouldn't enslave you. It should be a, allowing you to be free, to be a blessing. Can someone say amen? amen? Here's the secret. The desire to possess nothing except God himself allows you to possess everything. You see, when you get to the place where all you really want, yeah, you may really desire this and desire that, and you might need this and need that, but when you get to the place where all you really want is God himself, you possess everything. I'll just speak from my own situation. God has blessed us many times over. He's provided many times over anytime we needed something. I kid you not, when we sold our house in San Antonio, we moved to this little ranch house that I swear scorpions took over that place. Well, it was just crazy. I mean, we were watching TV, eating dinner, and all of a sudden a scorpion would just fall from the ceiling onto the, the table right in front of us. It's like, okay, pull out the chancla, boom, you know. <laughs> I mean, that was just the way of life. I'm, I kid you not, one day we're watching TV, we see a spider crawling across, and you know, the, the boys were tiny at that time, and she was like, look, there's a spider. I go over there, I get my chancla. I always got a chancla, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I get my chancla, I go hit the chancla. I had forgotten earlier, she had mopped in that area. I slipped while I was trying to hit you know, the thing, and so I slipped, and I managed to still hit it, but when I did, I didn't know the, the spider was pregnant. The legion, oh my God. It was spiders everywhere, baby spiders. And she just started screaming. And I'm like, ah. You know, I'm like that dude from Home Alone with the spiders on his head. That's how I was. And that horrible, look, I'm not going to cuss on, on the live stream. That horrible place is where God spoke to us about starting this church. And at that time, we were like, um, yeah, we got absolutely nothing. We have no money. We have 30000 in debt. Cheryl wasn't working. I was the only one working because she was staying home with the boys. How? There's just no way we can't afford this. And it was pretty clear, like, I had no choice. I had to obey God, right? And you get to that point where you know God's speaking, and if you don't do it, like, you felt like you're going to get spanked. So uh, I just said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. We started stepping down in faith, and within a month, all 30000 of debt was gone. We started selling stuff. I sold Bose Sound System because all the toys I had. You know, I said I couldn't afford this, but here I am. I had a 72-inch TV Bose Sound System. I mean, it would blow your hair back, you know, like, boom. Sold that, sold cars, sold my entire studio. Yes, ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. There was a lot of ouches every time I said, here you go. We sold as much as we could. Within a month, $30,000 of debt was gone. And I said, whoa. When you start to realize that the possessions, because I was in that spot for a while. Everything that I had, had me. You know, I had the studio. I had the cars. I had the house. Our old house was nice. It was nice. Can't believe I had to look. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I had everything I wanted, and I did not have him the way I have him now. 
because the stuff had me. And so what I'm telling you this morning, is this is not an anti-stuff message, okay? Don't go home and say, oh, I got to sell this now. Don't get into arguments about that. What I am telling you, though, is that the secret is when you learn that the only possession that you really should desire is him. And when you possess him, you have everything you need. Fast forward, we planted the church, we started the church, we're renting the school, right? Fayweb Elementary, and I am stressed out. I'm, I remember sitting, and y'all know I love to eat. I remember sitting down to eat and I couldn't even swallow. I was just like, my mind was, I was stressed out because of the money. I was stressed out because I couldn't figure out how we were going to make I couldn't figure out how we were going to pay this. They wanted like $3,600 a month. It was nuts. And I was like, how are we going to do this? You know? And every time, every Sunday, God would come through. I'm like, I don't understand. Me and Cheryl are both working at the time. We're giving all we can to keep it going. And I had no idea how this thing was going to get up off the ground and go and move. And I would sit there for a straight month. I'd sit there trying to swallow my food at dinner, having a hard time. And then I realized that I was stressing over things that I can't control. And it took, it literally took a devastating issue in my own family to snap me out of that. And then it put things into perspective on what was really important. And then once I got over here to this issue, I looked at that and I was like, God, you can do anything. And sure enough, the moment I let go and said, God, this is, this is your thing. This is not my thing. I'm just, I just said yes. This is your bill. This is not my bill. This is your problem, not my problem. Once I recognized that, once I was free of trying to possess this thing, God said, now you can have everything you need. Once I realized himself, that's all we'll ever need. He will add the blessings that come along with that. I want to explain to you briefly about Abraham and Isaac. Y'all know the story, right? Hopefully y'all know the story. If y'all don't, go read the Bible. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, they call him the father of faith, right? They call him the father of faith because the guy did not have a Bible. He did not have a preacher. He didn't have a prophet. He didn't have anyone laying hands on him. All he had was the voice of the Lord saying, Abraham, Abraham. This man was worshiping other gods. It even says at one point he was probably worshiping the moon. This man was seeking. He was hungry. He didn't know what he was looking for, but he couldn't find it anywhere until he heard the voice of God. Abraham. Abraham. When he heard the voice of God, not even knowing who this God was, it changed everything about his life. God told him, get up and go to a land I will show you where it doesn't matter. Get up and go. He packed 
his family. He packed up his servant, oxen, everything. And he said, we're going somewhere. Where are we going? I don't know, but the voice told me we're going somewhere. How many of you have that kind of faith? You don't even know what kind of voice you're hearing. You're just going to go, oh, I heard this voice. Let's get up and go. That's why they call him the father of faith, because he just simply obeyed what he heard. He had been seeking to worship something, and none of these idols ever talked back. And then out of the blue, (laughs) God actually speaks like, wait a minute. I mean, you're not in these things? No, 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 no. I'm in you. And God told him, get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. He finally went. And then it was in the process when he was on his journey that God spoke to him. Why? He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your your descendants are going to be like the sand in the sea, like the stars in the sky. You can't count How many people are going to come from you? He said, God, there's one problem. I'm old and I've got no children. He was ancient. He was old. And then God finally blessed him with a son in their old age. He blessed him with Isaac. So now... All of a sudden, the promise is fulfilled. Now he's raising a son. Every day he looks into his son's eyes, he's seeing a promise fulfilled. Every day he looks into his son's eyes, he's seeing the blessing of God. You know, it's like you ask for a blessing, you ask for a blessing, you ask for a blessing. God finally gives you that blessing, and now you're raising your blessing. And you're looking your blessing in the eye. And if you're not careful, that thing can now become the object of your affection. The blessing itself. That's why I'm saying even when God blesses you with that house, even when God blesses you with that job, even when God blesses you with that car or whatever the case may be or that spouse, whatever the case may be, You have to be careful that that thing doesn't become the object of your affection. Because at some point in the relationship between Abraham and his son Isaac, he loved him so much that God says, now sacrifice your son. Put him on an altar. Go and sacrifice your son. And he's like, you mean the blessing you gave me? Yes. You mean the promise that you said I was going to get? Yes. But how would everything come to pass if, we, if you kill the, the person that's supposed to? doesn't matter. Go do what I'm saying. You see, at a certain point, Abraham had to realize that his promise, even though he had him physically, still belonged to God. Abraham was utterly obedient. He was supposed to be the guy who possessed nothing. But somehow along the way, he concentrated everything onto his son because now he could see the blessing in physical form. And he started concentrating everything on his son. So God decided to take him from Abraham. This is a hard thing. It's, it's hard to understand. 
But understand this. When they got to the altar and Abraham actually followed through, he was ready and willing to do it. His son, who wasn't a child, he was a man, willing to lay there, probably going, hey, if God said it, do it. See, we don't understand that because we're so used to things having us. We're so used to relationships having us. We're so used to the jobs having us. And Abraham had to get back to the place where not even his son had him. Only God had him. It sounds wild, but it was the most extreme example of possessing nothing. Where you're even willing to sacrifice the promise. You're even willing to sacrifice the blessing. Everything that you prayed for, everything that you believed for, everything that God gave you and said yes to, now you're saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you again. You want it back? Here's it back. You want me to sell everything and move? I'm going to after I worked my butt off to get here and believed you to get here. Now you want it back? Okay, here's it back. I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you because you, you brought it to me anyways. You gave it to me. You're the giver. Why should I now be so objectified with this gift that I don't know how to give it back to you? If you gave to me, I need to learn how to give back to you. Once he was on that altar, once Abraham was obedient enough and willing enough to go through it, he found the secret that he possessed nothing. Because even what God gave, God can take away. What did Job say? The Lord gives and the Lord takes. No name of the Lord. Job understood this too. No Bible, no preacher, no prophet. But he knew God. And he said, if you're going to take everything you gave me back, it's okay with me as long as I have you. What did Moses say on his journey? He said, God told him, why don't you go to Pharaoh and tell him who sent you? He goes, I don't want to go anywhere unless you go with me. You see, these men finally figured out the secret, the secret I'm trying to get us all on the same page with. And that is when you possess nothing, you have everything because you have his presence. It's hard for us as parents, grandparents, to look our children in the eye and say, you belong to God, not me. Uh, my job is to raise you. My job is to teach you, correct you, show you, be an example to you. But ultimately, you've got to serve God for yourself. I can't control you. I can spank them and spank them and spank them, spank them as long as I can until they get too big. <laughs> but my job is not to control their life. My job is to give them the freedom to pursue God for themselves. They are not mine. They are his. This church is not mine. It is his. I trust him with it. 
The things that are in your life, they are not yours. They are his, and you should trust him with it. Can someone say amen this morning? A lot of stuff, but he possessed none of it. He had a lot of things. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of cattle. He had a lot of money, but he possessed nothing. All he wanted was God. So God blessed him more and more. And his son lived. And then his son had children. And the descendants grew and grew and grew. And everything God promised came to pass. Because Abraham realized, I don't care how rich I am. I don't even care if God says to kill the promise he gave me. I'm going to do whatever God says because I want God. You see, when you get to the place in your life where all you want is God, you're willing to sacrifice even God's blessings to keep him. I told you to hold on this morning. Whoever, this is a quote straight from A.W. Tozer. Whoever defends himself will have himself for his defense. But let him come defenseless before the Lord, and he will have for his defender no less than God himself. In other words, if you try and fight to keep what you built, you will lose it. But if you come defenseless before God, he will fight for you. Amen? A long time ago, I wrote a song, and it was all about this vision I had when I was praying one day. And it was like God showed me my own heart. And he showed me what he intended to do in my own heart. Which is so wild that, you know, I had put this in my notes to talk about. And then this morning I see, like, one of my friends from Bible college, when I wrote this song, she was singing this song with me. She's actually in town, but she's on her way back to where they're from. I was like, are you in town? Are you? I saw her at the beach. I'm like, what are you doing in my city? You need to come to church. She's like, no, I'm, we're actually on our way home, but as soon as we can, we'll make arrangements. But I remember singing this song with her, and she looked at me one day. She's like, what is this about? And I had to explain. The song's about a vision I had when God was showing me what he wanted to do in my heart. And to make a very, very long story short, he wanted to build mansions in my heart. You know, we talk about this idea where God builds mansions. You know, God's house is bigger. It's in you, right? My heart is where he dwells. My innermost being is where he wants to be. It's where he constructs his dwelling place. It's where he builds his house. And in my heart, he wanted to build mansions here. And I say that because there's a throne in your heart and somebody's sitting on it. Somebody's sitting on it. 
Either the enemy's sitting on your heart's throne, you're sitting on your heart's throne, or God himself is sitting on your heart's throne. But there is a throne in your heart. There is a seat of authority in your heart. And if you don't let God take that seat, it doesn't matter how much stuff you have. You don't have the right thing. You might need to get more specific when you pray. You might need to pray more intently by name, people that you're believing for transformation for. You might be needing to pray more specifically because when you allow God to come into your life and take over, he starts to work through you. So you can't just simply go, thank you, God, for coming into my life. No, 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 no. Remember, you're a conduit of blessing. So now you need to turn around and say, who do I need to pray for? Who do I need to believe for? Who do I need to bless? Who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to reach out to? Who in my family do I need to go and say, hey, it's time. If you will get drastic enough, you can even shorten the process of pain you have to go through. You see, it's all about being completely abandoned to him. What happens when your child does something wrong and you know you got to punish them, you know you got to spank them, and they try to drag it out, right? They try to drag. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Parents, okay. They, they, they're, oh, uh, they, they, you know, they know they're going to get spanked. They're like, uh, uh. Or like when I was a kid, you know, you stuff, put a towel in, in your pants, you know, like whatever it took. Because, man, when I was in school, they still paddled. Miss Porter know what I'm talking about. They had to paddle in the principal's office. They called my mom. Hello, this, they said, can, can, can we paddle? And she said, dog, you better paddle him. And, oh, my goodness, yeah, boom. You know, like every time I was that kid, once a week, they eventually kicked me out. It's all good. And you drag it out and you drag it out. But if you just kind of go, okay, here I am, God, do what you want to do. And you get drastic and you're just like, let's get this, let's get this going. You can shorten the pain. See, so many of us are like that child. We're like that child. And instead of just coming to God and say, let's deal with everything now, rip out everything out of my life that doesn't belong, we like to drag it out. It takes years to do what God can do in minutes because we don't like the process. But if you can just get drastic enough, he begin to change you right there. And you can literally save yourself a lot of time. You can shorten the time of your process from years to minutes. And you can enter that good land like Abraham entered. The ones who coddle their feelings slowly get there. The ones who insist upon caution when they're dealing with God, like, I don't want to reveal too much. I don't want to open up that part of my life. I don't want to open up that door in my heart. I don't want to, like, let's take this slow, God. Don't do that yet. It's like peeling that Band-Aid. Slower, slower. When, when you are so concerned 
about God dealing with you and your feelings and you coddle every little part of your life, you get there, but you get there so slow. Meanwhile, if you'll just get drastic, God can go boom, boom. I don't know about you, but I have an urgency in my heart. I don't want to waste time. I hate wasting time. I hate sitting around doing nothing. There's always got to be a purpose. Like, that's just me. There's always got to be a purpose. What are we doing? Why are we here? Let's get to it. Let's go. Right? I hate wasting time. And so if God's going to deal with me, I'm just like, here I am. And when you do that, when you let him deal with you, things can go much faster. Y'all follow me this morning. Worship team, y'all can come back up. I got one more scripture for you. Jeremiah 1.10. I love this scripture. It says this. It says, today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Someone say uproot. Someone say plant. Someone say tear down. Someone say build up. Okay. We have to understand this. There are things about God that we cannot learn like we're reading a textbook. It's like so many people try to understand God like they're trying to understand physical science or chemistry or geometry. They try to go to a textbook and somehow that textbook... You see, when it comes to God, things must be expected experienced before you can really know them you can talk about being free all you want but until you let God set you free until you run to that altar and say God just do whatever you want in me all you have is that surface thing like well this is the Bible it says he can set me free the truth shall set you free praise God the truth will set you free Yes, let's repeat that again. The truth will set you free. And we do this. But when you have an encounter with the truth himself, it changes everything. Because truth is not an understanding. Truth is a person. There is so much about what I'm talking about that cannot simply be learned by, by me talking about it to you. It has to be learned through experience, you have to go through it. I could stand up here for another two hours and bore you to death with everything that's in my head. And I would love every second of it. But until you experience him, you're not where you need to be yet.
there are kingdoms in our hearts. There are nations in our hearts. Some we have to tear down. Some we have to build up. Some we have to uproot. Some we have to plant. The pride go much within us that unless we let the pride go, we won't know what he wants to do. We must, in our hearts, live through Abraham's harsh and bitter experiences. But we would also know the blessing that follows them. Everything Abraham went through, hearing God's voice, being obedient to that voice, stepping out in faith, where's the promise? Where's the promise? Where's the promise? And then the promise arrives, and then all of a sudden God says, now give me back the promise. That's hard. That's bitter. That's painful, right? You could be working towards something, working towards something, working towards something. You finally get it. And then God says, now put it on the altar. Just like any good parent. Your kid says, I want that video game. Well, go get a job. Right? No, but no, I'm talking about. I ain't paying for it. You go get a job. They finally come. They come with the money. They buy their own video game. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted a sound system. My dad said, go get a job. Go buy yourself a sound system. So that's exactly what I did. And then I didn't follow the rules. I played my music so loud. He took the sound system away. Like, I work for it. It don't matter. It's still my house, my rules. You see, even the blessing that you get from your own hard work that God blessed and used, he still will at times say, now put that on the altar. Because nothing can have you. Nothing can have you. He wants you. You see, there are generational curses that enslave families because too many people said yes to things and no to God. Too many people settled for blessings and they would never give up their earthly blessings, therefore they separated themselves from their heavenly blessings. And when you do that, you're left with your own desires. And the Bible says that your own desires are what drag you away. Did you know that? You know what sin is? Your own desires pulling you away from God. That's sin. And those generational curses, those things that run in families don't go out painlessly. You have to violently remove them. And you can't violently remove them by kind of, sort of, saying yes to God. You can only violently remove them when you surrender wholeheartedly, 100%, without reservation, nothing holding you back. Here I am, Lord, whatever you want to do. 
There is pride that develops in the heart of people. I've been there. The pride willows up and you get prideful. And when God starts to deal with that pride, man, it is a hard thing. It is an ugly thing. And God has to deal with it. Because pride is not what he wants for you. He says, I give grace to the humble, but the proud I oppose. You will always be at war with God himself when you live with pride in your heart. Pride has to be torn out. It has to be torn out. It has to be uprooted. It has to be torn down. Those generational curses have to be uprooted. The kingdoms that other people built in your family have to be torn down. And in place of it, the soil that is left is where you begin to plant life, where you begin to rebuild faith, where you begin to say yes to God, whatever you want to do, and then God begins to bless it and bless it and bless it. It begins to grow. It begins to build up again. Let's stand this morning. Pride doesn't just simply leave because we say pride leave. <laughs> it doesn't do that. Pride holds on with talons. Pride has a way of saying, yeah, God, you know, I get it. I'm going to do this and do that. But don't, don't touch this part of my life, right? Because this part of my life, you know, I, I got that. I got that. You ain't got that. You don't got nothing. You might think you do. You don't got nothing. You see, pride has a hard time. It, do, it doesn't just go because you're like, pride, get out of my life. No, no, no. You surrender to God. And you say, God, do whatever you want. You see, all the blessings, if you're in this room and God has blessed you greatly, I applaud you. Because that means you did a lot of things right to get there. But if he tells you to give it up, hey, I've been there too. And I remember the day God finally said, you know that thing that you're trying to hold on to, that you worked really hard to get to, but I need you to get rid of it? Yes. Or like a couple years from now. So I got some time. No, 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 no. Now. And then I disobeyed. Because why? Pride. Well, I earned this. I deserve this. I built this. He said, exactly. He says, but I want to do a new thing. I want to do something in you. I want to build something in you. I want to uproot things and replant things. And this scripture has been on my heart for years. Because there's some of you in this room this morning that if you allow God to do the work, 
He can uproot those things that have no business in your life. He can replant the fruit of the Spirit. If, if you're here in this room this morning and you've been battling to even serve God, or maybe every church you've been to, there's always been some issue or some drama, whatever. Those things need to be uprooted. They need to be torn down in your life so that God can rebuild and replant. See, our problem is we're builders. We're planters, right? What happened? with the tower where they started building and building and building and God said, ah, let's go ahead and take care of this. Let's get rid of this. He said, they're trying to build something to get to heaven. Meanwhile, I'm trying to bring heaven to earth. Like, they're doing it wrong. But if you let God build it instead of you try to build it, it's going to be stronger. It's going to be better. It's going to be greater. We have a prayer, a declaration I want us to do this morning. Because there are things in your life that it literally is going to take a miracle. It literally is going to take a miracle for God to do the work right it's not going to be on your own ability it's not going to be on your own accord it's not going to be because you're smart you need if you're strong enough maybe there's something physically in your body you need healing for you need a miracle i'm here to tell you this morning that when you possess him you possess everything you possess that healing you possess that miracle you possess that freedom because when you let go of your pride, when you let go of you, when you let go of your stuff and you replace it with God himself sitting on the throne of your heart, you have everything you need. You can walk in the freedom he says you can walk in. Some of you here, you need a miracle financially. You need a miracle emotionally. You need a miracle at work. Whatever the case may be, I'm telling you this morning is your morning. If you surrender. So I have a prayer before we do anything else. Why don't you throw that up on the screen for me? I want us to boldly declare this if you'll repeat after me. If you want to do this, if you don't want to, by all means, you don't have to. But if you want freedom this morning, if you want that miracle this morning, if you want God Himself this morning, I want you to boldly declare it and I want you to mean it father come on let's get a little bolder this morning father i want you i come trembling but i do come please uproot from my heart all things that i have cherished for too long let there be no more rivals to your presence in my life become the light of my life and illuminate every dark place oh God do miracles in me around me and through me 
Let's say that again. Oh God, do miracles in me, around me, and through me. Come on, say it again. I don't think you mean it yet. Oh God, do miracles in me, around me, and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. this week our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing if you would like to support our ministry you can easily do so by visiting our website pursuitcc.com also follow us on all social media outlets by using at pursuitcc thank you and god bless